What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everyone to episode 583 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek and we have basically reached the mid-season mark of the 2022-23 NBA season. Which means it is time for my co-host favorite type of episode. We're going to give... Our mid-season awards picks, if the season ended today, who we would pick for every major award. Before we get into that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter, at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews, and we're being hosted by Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today is someone who I know is excited to discuss the most clutch player of the NBA, <laughs> Morton Jensen. How's it going? It's going well. Should we start with that just to get it out of the way? I No, because 10 minutes ago I forgot that was even a thing until you reminded me. So I'm going to have to brainstorm on the most clutch player. Uh, also, I don't care. It's... <laughs> the, really, uh, the MVP race is shaping up to be incredible this season. Uh, I would even argue historic based on how many viable candidates there are. So I think we should launch into that because that's going to be the biggest debate of all, presumably. Um, right, right. You know, Kevin Durant was in this mix, but I would think his injury, he's going to miss presumably a month. Um, it's going to knock him out yeah. of the running, I think. The same goes for Stephen Curry. He missed about a month. Uh, would have been in that conversation. But, you know, with with so many legitimately good candidates, you know, I think games played when you miss that much time uh, should serve as a tiebreaker. So, yeah, you can't afford it this year. You just Right, can't. right. Uh, so if the season were to end today, Mort, which obviously uh-huh. it, it was not, but... No, this is a snapshot in time of where we are halfway through the season. Uh, who would you have as your MVP pick? To be perfectly honest, I don't know. Like we were, I I, I know that we were going to be recording this, and I'm still flip flopping between Luca and Jokic. Yeah, I I just don't know. I mean, you got even if you put a gun to my head, I just think I'd prefer the bull. <laughs> like I I don't know. I mean, obviously, Jokic is extraordinary, number one team in the West. That also accounts for something. Mm-hmm. But he's got a much better supporting staff, yes. staff than, than than Luca does. And like from an individual perspective, like statistically speaking, Luca is that much further ahead. So, 
<clears throat> those two, I had to. I just have them. I have them as the clear top two. Like yeah. I, I, I agree with you that I think it, the field is pretty strong, but I do think that those two are in the same branch right now. And then there's a type of uh, a little little gap between them and next one in line. So I just don't know. I, I, the Balkans, the, the MVPs <laughs> of the Balkans. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you that those two are the clear front runners right now. The odds markets agree with you as well. They are co-favorites right now at plus 220 each on FanDuel. Uh, Giannis and Tatum are next at plus 500. Joel Embiid is plus 1,300. Katie's plus 1,800. And then John Morant's the next closest at plus 3,000. So. Oh, yeah, Tatum at 500. Did you say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, sorry. So... You know, a Moran, like Donovan Mitchell's plus 4,000. Like, those guys, it's right. tough to see them jumping over everyone else in line. So I think it's probably a four- or five-man race at this point with Jokic and Doncic uh, leading the way. I mean, I'm with you in, like, just being so torn between both of them. Because every time I come up with... You know, a an argument in favor of Luca. I mean, you could say you're you're totally right. I think the supporting cast um, is the biggest knock on Jokic's case, which isn't necessarily fair. But you know, seeing right. seeing it like <laughs> you have a great GM, or you have you've had a a great front office, and now you need to be punished. Right. Sure, makes sense. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like they they did too good of a job building around you. Sorry. Right. Uh, but, you know, seeing them beat the Clippers the other night without him does speak to the amount of talent around him this season. Whereas, you know, anytime like Luca ha- didn't have a great night, we're recording this on Sunday. He had a kind of mediocre game uh, on Saturday night and they got their brains beaten in by the Blazers who had been in free fall as of late. So it it speaks to like just how dependent the Mavericks are on Luca being superhuman every night and you know yeah you're right i mean he's currently leading the league uh with almost 34 points per game shooting almost 50 percent from the field 35 from three the free throw percentage isn't great but he's drawing you know more than 11 free throw attempts per game nine rebounds almost right. nine assists like in any other year this guy's running away with the award it's just that you know Jokic is almost averaging a triple double uh, with like almost 25 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, number one seed in the West right now, or tied with Memphis for the number one seed in the West. Uh, right. So I'm I am similarly torn. I if you put a gun to my head, I think I would go Luca right now, but it is so close, and I think a lot's going to depend on whether Luca can keep this up, this level of production up the rest of the way. Uh, where both teams finish in the Western Conference standings. Like if the Nuggets run away with the number one seed and the Mavericks finish outside of the top four, that's probably going to be a tiebreaker for Jokic. I do want to ask you about this, you know, narrative, uh, you know, that Jokic has won the last two. There is this historic tier of player that he would reach if he is a three-time straight MVP. Do you think that should factor into the conversation at all? No. Yeah. No. Why would it? Why should it? it? It no. 
it, the MVP is a look at that specific season. Mm-hmm. It's not like a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> right. Not. I mean, if if Jokic, like, look, look, let me just preface this by saying Jokic is absolutely worthy. So so is a lot of guys this year. Yeah. I mean, there you you could realistically argue that they're going to be four snubs. Yeah. I mean, even though the, the winner is is worth it. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. It's bonkers. If he wins it, it's going to be on the merit of this year. And look, he's got a great argument. The guy is averaging 25, 11 and almost 10 assists. Mm-hmm. 1.4 steals. And you may look at that and you go, well, Luka is scoring more. Sure, but Jokic isn't one of those guys who, like, goes out and gets 25 shots per game. Like, he's taking 15 shots. And, like, his two-point conversion rate is insanity. Like, he's hitting 66% of his twos. Like, everything inside the arc is just bonkers. And he's doing it just by being very deliberate, Mm -hmm. very focused, very strategic. I mean, yeah, if he wins it this year, great, but that shouldn't be the thing that that gets him over the edge. Like some voters sitting there going, well, it's been a while since we had a Larry Bird situation. Like, no, F off, man. That's not, no, that shouldn't be it. It should be because you legitimately think that in the 22-23 NBA season, Nikola Jokic was the most valuable player. That should be end of list. I mean, no, so I don't think that should play a factor. No, at not at all. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, I made the case for Luka already. So Jokic, it's the same case as been the last two seasons. Not only does he lead the league in almost every advanced statistic, like he is lapping the field in, in a lot of them. Um, I mean, PER, he's got a huge edge over really every, like AD was the next closest as far as I could tell. He. He was at 31.6 before he got hurt. Uh, box plus minus. Right. He's tied in VORP. He's got a massive, massive lead in win shares for 48 minutes. Uh, I know, you know, there's a lot of people, and we, we've said this over the last couple of years, every one of these advanced statistics has their flaws in how they're calculated, but when all of them, or a lot of them, <laughs> are pointing to the same guy... <laughs> That does suggest that he's having a really, really, really good season. Some would say historic season. So let's 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 just read them. The 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 advanced metrics off a basketball reference that he's leading the league in. It's PER, it's offensive win shares, it's win shares overall, it's win shares per 48 48 minutes, of course. Mm -hmm. It's offensive uh, box plus minus. Or sorry, uh, yeah, offensive. Yeah, that's the one, right? OBPM. Yeah. And then defensive box plus minus, and then box plus minus warp, which is value over replacement player. He leads the league in all of them. Yeah. Now I do all of them. I mean, him leading the league in defensive box plus minus tells me. Yeah. Okay, Team. I'm I'm not going to put too much weight into that individual metric necessarily because right. that I just you know that's a team thing. Yeah, like I the eye test does not necessarily agree with. Nicole Jokic agree being that. the most impactful defender in the league. But I agree with that fully. I'm just saying when you look at it from like again, every everything's got its flaws, right? right? Like right, I, right. I should just said. Like uh, it, it's the same thing when you when you use like offensive and defensive 
rating for individual players. Yes. Like that's just such a bad use of that those metrics. Right. So I, I agree. I was just reading out what he leads the league in. Yeah. Like and, and look, we can also say like PER and I have John Hollinger quoted on this because I interviewed him about it, basically saying, "Yeah, it, it skews towards big men." Yeah, like he fully acknowledges that that is one of its its problem areas. It's it's just it kind of penalizes perimeter players and gives big men a an edge that they maybe should not have. Yeah. So it is what it is. I'm still super impressed with all the advanced things, and I think for Luca, even though we shouldn't look. At raw numbers, you just have to with him because he's just doing all of these wicked things. I mean, mm-hmm. 34 per game, nine rebounds, nine assists, steal and a half, 50% from the field, getting to the line almost 11 and a half times per game. It's it's just preposterous. It's You don't really comprehend it, what he's doing. And it's every single night. Like, would Jokic do as well as Luca if he were to take twenty-three shots per night every single time? Mm-hmm. Would his would his efficiency drop? Yeah, I think it would. I think it would for most players. And he's just been outstanding. I I do think we need to bring in Giannis, like to the to just to talk yes. about it. Yeah. Because because Bucks fans have raised a point, which I think is totally legitimate, totally fair to consider. The defense, mm-hmm. because obviously Giannis out of these three is by far, by far, the best defender. Like there's just no argument there, and if there is, you should just stop talking about basketball. <laughs> right? That's where he is. Yeah. And Bucks fans are pointing out, yeah, his efficiency is down. Like he's playing a little bit too many minutes he's 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 exerting himself a lot because you know chris middleton has barely played this year and like he's it's what's that quote from lord of the rings it's too much butter or, or too little brother butter spread over too much bread or something no, like that that's basically him but the defense and like he's still putting up 31 a game yeah and 12 boards and five and a half assists I buy that argument. Like, I buy that overall, him as a two-way player, that should carry more merit than it does right now. I understand their logic in that. Basically saying, yeah, you know, Giannis has had better offensive seasons, but look, he's also anchoring their entire defense. He's guarding the perimeter. He's guarding the interior. He's guarding everything in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bucks fans, I buy that that argument. That's totally fair. Yeah, I mean, Giannis has reached the LeBron level of what LeBron didn't he say like you're spoiled by my greatness or something like that at some point oh yeah LeBron probably yeah like you know like you're just so used to this guy churning out 30-ish points 11 rebounds five assists a steal a block per game that it's unfair if anyone else did that they'd be Maybe not the front runner, especially this year, but like right in the MVP conversation. Giannis deserves to be in the MVP conversation. He is. I mean, he's you know right. plus five hundred. He's tied for the third best odds. Um, but you pointed out, like, you know, I think this year more than any, and I hate to do this, but rather than you know making your guy's case, you also have to like pick apart some of the other guys and point out some of their individual holes so you know you can point to the defense for Luka and Jokic um for Giannis I think it's just a little bit easier because 
the three-point percentage is down, the free throw percentage is down. You know, the the Bucks right. The, the field goal percentage is down. Like right. efficiency wise, right. he's he's down across the board. Yeah, I mean, this is his lowest since 2017, 18. Um, you know, the Bucks right now are third in the East. So, if yeah. you're making the case for him over Jokic, who's tied for first in the West, like, I mean. You can. I think it'd be fairly convincing. The same goes for Tatum. Like I, I can, I could see uh, Celtics fans being met. Like Tatum is having a ridiculous season, the best season of his career, and the Celtics, mm-hmm. despite all of their turmoil before the season, three and a half game lead over any other team in the East right now. They have the best record in the league. It's a large part because of him. Um, so the one thing I don't want to see, and I've seen a lot of this from Sixers fans already, and I'm gonna write about it. Uh, for Forbes, probably tomorrow. Um, there's no like grand conspiracy if your guy doesn't win this year. Like there's there's a lot of like, oh well, Joel Embiid is just never going to win it. The media hates him. Whatever. And it's like, yeah, Embiid's having a monster season. Giannis is having a monster season. Tatum's having a monster season. They just happen to be running into two other guys who are also having monster seasons. And there's only one MVP award, and you can't split it five ways, or at least I don't think it's very likely. That they're going to split right. it five ways. It's you know, it's like how probably how the Cavaliers and the Houston Rockets felt in the late twenty tens, where they're like, God, in any other year, we would probably roll to a championship, but we just happened to run into this historic collection of talent in the Golden State Warriors. Like and being yep. Tatum Giannis this year just happened to run into Nikola Jokic firmly in his prime and Luka Doncic having to be ridden like a pony because the rest of his team is kind of mediocre. So, yeah, I just don't Are like... you saying this is shaping up to be like the 90s where Mike just basically championship blocked everyone? So, like, Embiid is going to be like the next Patrick Ewing, yeah. just better? Yeah, with, with MVP. I, I I have my concerns because, I, I, I mean, I don't know what else Embiid could do, frankly. But, uh, I... It's interesting, though. Like, I never thought about it that way. Just because of the the pure talent mass there is in the NBA, Mm -hmm. obviously someone is going to get shut out. Like, there's going to be one of these legends that may never win a championship. Like, Giannis has one. Right. But we don't know if Embiid is going to ever win one. We don't know if Luka is going to win one. We don't know if Nikola Jokic is ever going to win one. Yeah. Or Jason Tatum. Like, one of these guys, maybe even a couple of them, at the end of their careers are going to retire without a ring and it's going to be crazy because we have these expectations like Luca for example it, it almost seems preordained that he's going to win at some point right. he's just so damn good but what if he doesn't right right it's you know it's crazy it's crazy there are going to be a lot of like Patrick Ewings and Reggie Millers in this era they're like Charles Barkley's and Charles Barkley's yeah yeah yeah, yeah I mean Man. you know you could even make a case that you know some of these guys Maybe not better, but maybe they are. Maybe they are better, and they're still just going to get shut out, and it's going to... You know, I, I feel like tarnish their legacy isn't necessarily the right word because we still think very reverentially about Charles and Reggie and you know Ewing and all those guys, but it definitely... You do hold someone in a greater light after they have one. Like Giannis, that served right. as validation, even though it didn't necessarily have to like it's kind of unfair to hold him to that standard because like you watch him and he is clearly just incredible incredible (laughs) basketball player um yeah i mean just because Jokic 
know, even if Jokic goes on to win three straight MVPs, there's no guarantee that he's ever going to win a title, which is right. Wild. Exactly. Yeah. But by the way, I, I have a take, and I can't figure out if it's like a hot take. It's it's really around Giannis again. Okay. Because you you brought up that like he's entered that LeBron stage where you're just so accustomed to all things. Yeah. Like, can we agree that the LeBron was in his absolute prime in Miami? Yes. I think Giannis's prime is better than LeBron's prime in Miami. I mean, I was just thinking about you know when you brought up Luca, and you were talking about his per game numbers this year, like. LeBron's yeah. never had a season, at least in terms of points, assists, and rebounds. Right, but that's offense. Yeah. That's yeah. offense yeah. mostly. Yeah. Like I'm I'm talking about like the two way force of LeBron in Miami, where like there was buzz about him also winning like the DPOY at one point. Mm-hmm. Like when I look at Giannis in during like the Coach Bud era. I think just because of the overwhelming defensive flexibility of Giannis, compare and like not not compared, but also like in in correlation with the elite rebounding, yeah, in correlation with the great scoring efficiency. I think I might have Giannis over Miami LeBron. Yeah, I mean LeBron was a better passer. Um, yeah, undoubtedly, and was. I guess he wasn't a super high-volume three-point shooter, but he was a better three-point shooter as well. Uh, also, undoubtedly, yes. Um, <laughs> which, isn't, which isn't tough to say at this point when Giannis is hitting like 24%. Right, right. But you're right. I mean, Giannis is a better better scorer uh, other than this year, more efficient scorer, and much better rebounder. So, Man, that's tough. And the defense. It's the defense that does it for me. Yeah. It's the defense. Like, don't get me wrong. LeBron, especially in Miami defensively, was a freaking monster. Yeah. I'm never going to argue otherwise. Yeah. But Giannis is just at a whole other level. I'm I'm legitimately sitting here thinking that voters should get together and basically say, okay, if Giannis isn't going to be named MVP, we should, like, make him the DPOY just by default. Mm. So, because he deserves one of those two. <laughs> my one question is, like, how much of this is because... Like, Giannis is just so wired to, like, I'm never going to take a game yeah. off. Whereas LeBron, especially as he moved into the later stages of Miami and, you know, Cleveland Lakers now especially, like, he learned to pace himself, right? Like, he, I think it is yeah. fair to say he did not exert full effort on both ends of the court uh, throughout a every game of an 82-game regular season. But then the playoffs rolled around, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> now, yeah. now LeBron's back. I remember LeBron. So, like, Giannis, I think there isn't that switch necessarily. Like, he plays more Correct. minutes in the playoffs, and, you know, they, they lean on him even more than they do in the regular season. But there isn't, like, this complete different, oh, my God, this guy has been... Laying in wait for the last six months, and we had no idea. Yeah, and and I agree. That's that's a better planning, I think, from LeBron's side. That he's basically saying, "Look, I'm so good that the regular season really doesn't matter." Mm-hmm. Well, you can argue 
that isn't really the case anymore because right. uh, you know the Lakers failed to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Like, no, you, you can't you, you, like you can't really make that argument. But like the the Miami days, the the second tenure in Cleveland days, absolutely. Like that was better planning on his part. Yeah. And yeah, you could definitely make the argument that if he wanted to go balls to the wall, he would average thirty plus, and he might also have ten assists or whatever. But we we can sit here and go woulda coulda shoulda. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, he didn't. And the regular the MVP is a regular season award. I agree with you that he was so much better at pacing himself. And we can sit here and have theor- theoretical discussions all day long about what LeBron would have averaged, what he would have done mm-hmm. if he had played with that same on switch as Giannis, sure. But that's all theoretical. We we just don't know. We know what he did in the playoffs. And even so, if we include the playoffs, I still think that Giannis right now I, is is just the better version. It's yeah. not by a much. Like it's not I'm not sitting here saying no contest. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I it's pretty damn close. LeBron he's the second best player of all time as I see it for some he's the best all time and there's logic in that like I'm not trying to downplay what he did he was freaking unbelievable but the two-way production of Giannis to the extent of that like it's one thing if you average 30 points and you're like a good defender Mm -hmm. okay that means you have a lot of energy right but to score 30 per game and be an elite game-changing, potentially DPOY defender? Good Lord. That's, I mean, that's pure insanity. I, he already did it once, like the, the MVP DPOY in the same year. Mm-hmm. There's, like, let, let's agree, that could happen again. Yeah, probably not this year, but yeah, I mean. Probably not this year, no, but but that could happen again, theoretically, <laughs> because he's that type of talent. Like, if Chris Middleton had been healthy and had given Giannis a little bit of a breather right, offensively, right. I think I think we would have looked at a drastically different picture right now. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting debate. I, I I still probably take LeBron in his prime over Giannis, but it I, I agree it is close. There is no like oh yeah this this is a stupid conversation. This guy is so much clearly better than the other. It, right, right. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, really. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. So let's move to some less contentious awards. Uh, right. Rookie of the year, I think we could probably spend roughly two minutes on. <laughs> Is there anyone? You're right. It's Benedict Matherin, right? Right, exactly. Well, I mean, it was, that was a good shout by you uh, heading into the season because he is probably the second and only guy who can catch 
the front runner, but do you think there's any way that anyone catches Paolo Bancaro or, you know, assuming health, of course, like if Paolo gets hurt, God forbid, no, no. and misses the rest of the season, the race is wide open yeah, again. No. But if Paolo stays healthy, you know, can Matherin or Jaden Ivey or any... I've already said no, Brian. No, no okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree. But I agree. I, I want. I'm glad you gave me my props for the Matherin pick, but let, let's just also acknowledge how how wrong I was with like the top pick. I said it would be Keegan Murray who won the award, and then Benedict Matherin would finish second. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> right. I was wrong on number one, which is kind of the most important pick. Yeah, like, details. okay, kudos, Mort, you were good on number two, but number one, you failed miserably. <laughs> um, so, you know, Paolo has absolutely surprised me i i thought that he would reach this level by year three or four mm -hmm. <laughs> i i just did not think watching him at duke that 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 would translate so quickly especially the way that he creates his own look like in the mid-range area i i just did not think that he would do that against bigger and more athletic de defenders that this early and he just basically came out swinging and said no you know what? I'm just going to dictate my own terms. Yeah. And far more aggressive, I think it turns out that the college game was actually sort of a hindrance for him, which I never thought. I actually thought watching him play that uh, college is making him look maybe a little bit better than what he is. Mm. Joke's on me. It was the exact opposite situation. So um, he's he's been phenomenal. Getting to the line at just extraordinary amounts for a rookie too. Like, usually guys in their first year doesn't get that whistle yeah. all that frequently. Yeah. He is, like, forcing refs' hands yeah. when he's attacking and he's taking contact. And guys are bouncing all the way off of him because he's so goddamn strong. Mm -hmm. um, just just love what he's doing. So, hands down, uh, rookie of the year. Yeah. And the Magic, I mean, I know they're not going to make the playoffs or anything this year. But, uh, I mean, they're only three games behind the Bulls. It's for the last spot in the play-in right now. So yeah. this isn't like Paolo's putting up these numbers on, like, a 10-win team. They've already won 16 games. Uh, I right. forget what their over-under was heading into the year, but I'm guessing it was in the, like, low to mid-20s. So wouldn't shock Well, me. it's a good thing the Bulls saved their asses by giving them Franz Wagner, <laughs> Franz Wagner and, Wend and Wendell Carter yeah, Jr. Yeah. And a pick to be named later God. because that's what Nikola Vucevic is worth. <laughs> very, very charitable of the Bulls to save the Magic's future. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I just continue to be astounded by Paolo. It's like, it's just so funny to think that, you know, the chatter leading up to the draft so consistently was Jabari Smith, Jabari Smith, Jabari Smith. And, you know, that isn't to say that Jabari Smith is not going to have a good career. Uh, but, man, it looks like Orlando made the right call. I am so pissed at myself for basically not believing my my own evaluation school is, uh, skills in terms of Jabari and I say skills w with sort of uh like quotation marks because I was so wrong on Paolo mm. but Smith never really sat right with me at the time mm -hmm. but like I I kind of talked myself into a lot of things and it's, I kind of bought into the hive mind thing 
of okay, look, he's this high for a reason. I do see the defensive upside. I still do. Yeah, by the of way. course. I still see the the uh, the defensive upside in particular. But one of the things that I was very skeptical of was his ability to create anything off of his own accord. And to me, when you have to be a candidate for the number one overall pick, to me, you need to create. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to somehow, some way, facilitate your own shot. And I just did not see a lot of that at at Auburn. And for me, it was like, no, no, he's he's got it. Like whenever he did did it once or twice, I was like, oh, oh, it's in the. He's got it in his bag. He's just gonna use it more at the next level. And yeah, like that skill is not quite there yet. Like I'm not saying it's, it's never gonna be there, but it's um, it's not great, man. Like yeah. he is assisted on over sixty sixty two percent of his twos, over eighty six percent of his threes. Being assisted is not a bad thing, but you would want someone who you are looking at as a potential franchise cornerstone to be able to create more looks for himself. He isn't great efficiency-wise from anywhere besides like right underneath the basket, and even that, that's 65%, which you can do a lot better. A lot of guys do. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Brian. Like, that, that, this was a rough first year for Jabari, I think. Uh, still is. Uh, I, I think when when we go into the summer, there's going to be a lot of ugly hot takes that I'm not going to subscribe mm. to because he's 19 years old, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Uh, but but I kind of, I'm not surprised is kind of what I'm saying here. Sure. I'm, I'm not surprised at, that he is where he's at, he's at. And I'm also, at the same time, very pissed that Tar Eason isn't getting them. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I think a lot of Rockets fans are not thrilled with the managing of really all of their young talent this year. So at least you you have some good company on that one. Yeah, yeah. Someone someone free Tari East. Yeah. That'd be great. Well, I if I remember correctly, we had we definitely had Ricky O'Donnell on leading up to the draft. Yeah. And I believe he had Paolo number one. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Ricky, we also had Wasserman on and both of them basically in the most polite way imaginable mm-hmm. called us well me and rightfully so idiots for not having paulo uh higher or for even being skeptical on it and they were absolutely right yeah yeah i mean he's he's been exactly what orlando needed as this like centerpiece of yeah their offense i mean you know, they have a lot of interesting complementary guys, but they didn't have even Suggs doesn't necessarily profile as this like twenty five point per game score. You know, Franz is such a good complementary piece. Right. Wendell Carter Jr. Markel has you know at least salvaged his career to some extent. Um, we'll see if what if anything they get out of Jonathan Isaac. I I don't think it's fair to put expectations on him, but it sounds like he. You know he's playing basketball again, so that's exciting. Um, uh huh. Sure. <laughs> personal beliefs aside, it's he's you know it's uh, he was looking like a DPOY candidate before he got hurt. That's a long time ago. It's gonna take him probably. A while. That's about a thousand days ago. Yeah. Right. Right. So you know they they have a lot of pieces, but they didn't have that. With all due respect to Bull Bull and what he's doing this year, they didn't have that like foundational piece right now they have paolo and you can start to build it around him and then like i think their roster now makes a lot more sense and it's not a surprise to me that they are more competitive than 
you know, a, a bad team at this stage of the season. I would, you know, I, I'm right. sure like Terrence Ross is up for grabs at the trade deadline, but I don't necessarily see them as like we're going to hold a fire sale and trade away a bunch of young guys because I think they have something kind of interesting brewing there. This team is going to make the playoffs, and I say playoffs, not play in mm-hmm. next year. I really think so. This this team it. just has, yeah. Like, okay, I do want to see a little bit more from Cole Anthony and Jalen Sucks and those guys yeah. like on the perimeter. Like, it, It's kind of weird, right? They have Foles, Anthony, and Sucks, and they were like, oh, yeah, we. what do we do? We have so many options at point guard, and none of them have really, like, broken through and yeah. established themselves as, oh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm the primary dude at the guard spot. Like, right? I mean, they yeah. still... Could you imagine if they get the number two pick and it's, like, Scoot Henderson who comes yeah. in and just sets the balance there? And yeah, like, they could be in line I mean, for two top ten picks or two lottery picks to yeah, add to this yeah, core Yeah, because this year. Chicago, of course, had to, to give them even more. <laughs> just how generous are the Bulls? That's really... The charitable... Charitable Bulls! Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So are all Bulls fans just going to become Magic fans when the Bulls start tearing down? Just going to live vicariously no, through No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's not within within their DNA. Yeah. They're, they're going to basically start putting up billboards and campaigns and they're, like, legit. And I'm, like, they are going to do this because they did the last time. They There was a Twitter account, which I think is deleted now, that like sort of this is this is getting really dark but like tried to make like a fictional countdown to when jerry reinstorf would pass away oh, which was like yeah no that it was just way too like dark and aggressive and, and horrible yeah. but like bulls twitter goes into like dark places mm. when things aren't working and it, can't, like I'm, can't I'm smelling that entry right now a little bit yeah that's fair yeah that's fair Oh, I don't know if it's fair making a Twitter account. No, that's probably on the days until the passing of someone. Probably but okay. not great. Yeah, that that wasn't great. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Let's go into Defensive Player of the Year. Who would be your pick halfway through the season, Mark? Giannis. Interesting. Okay. Giannis. Not Jokic? I, I, I understand Jaron Jackson Jr. and everyone else. Is that where you're going? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, Brooke Lopez, I think, was my quarter season pick. But, yeah, when mm. JJJ is ridiculous. I mean, I guess. Do you buy Nick Claxton being higher on like than, than Giannis no. on FanDuel? Because that one is just ridiculous to me. Yeah. I 
Nick Claxton's having a great season. Don't get me wrong. Yes, but mm, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think there are ways we can do better at like, <laughs> you know, calling or not calling out, but basically giving people respect without putting them at too high of a of a threshold. Yeah. yeah, I completely hear you with JJJ though. I understand that. Like, if he wanted, I wouldn't sit there and be upset. He's been. He's probably the closest thing to Giannis in terms of like a big man who's got switchability yeah. that can guard the perimeter for sure as well. For sure, like I, I think he's one of the most movable bigs that we have in the entire league. Um, what is what is this shot block count like three and a half per game? And those aren't like empty blocks if you catch my drift. Yeah, like they are legitimate within like reading the the, the floor, like rotating over at the same time. He's doing it in twenty six minutes, Brian. I know. I mean, the the games played, I think, will be the big knock against him, at least right, right. now. Um, but so I guess, you know, that's if you're the half season mark, maybe it's unfair to have him that like I, I might be projecting ahead here. But like the Memphis Grizzlies have the number one ranked defense in the league right now. And it's certainly not right. because of Ja Morant. With all due respect to Ja, you know, it's <laughs> like, yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr., 3.2 blocks per game in only 26 minutes. His block percentage yeah. is 10.9. That's just like, that doesn't even make sense. I'm gonna, let me see. And he got better on the glass, too, which I think matters. Like, this was a guy who was historically just a very average, at best, rebounder. Yeah. Yeah, he's better this year, like a lot better on a, even on a, like on a per minute scale. So Jaron is not technically qualified for the uh, the league leaderboard right now because he has not played enough games or minutes. But right. of the qualified players, Nick Claxton leads everyone with an eight point one block percentage. So Jaron Jackson <laughs> Jr. at ten point nine. At ten point nine. Yeah, Brooke Lopez is third at 6.8. Oh, my God. That's insane. 10.9 block. I mean, it makes sense. Per 36 minutes, he's swatting four and a half shots per game. And look, I'm the first one who's, who's like, right in line to say the blocks are overrated, like raw blocks. Mm-hmm. Because I think it matters on how you get them. At, like, it's not the Josh Smith thing where he just gave up a lot of ground and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and had, yeah. These blocks are like real. These are are some that are very very influential to Memphis's defense. And when he's not blocking, he's constantly changing shots and forcing teams or players specifically to pass out. And I just love the overall defensive flexibility. I still have Giannis though, because there's another factor that I think just plays in, which we don't really talk about a whole lot. I think we've done it some on this podcast. But when opponents are game planning to start or initiate offense the furthest away from you as humanly possible, that matters to me. I mean, that that to me shows, okay, you are absolutely trying to avoid this god of a man who can just wreak havoc on your offense Mm -hmm. at all Mm times. So, like, you are starting your offense away from him. You are trying to do as much as you can possibly do to avoid having him involved in 
in your sets. That's what teams are doing against Giannis right now. Yeah. And, and they have been doing it for a while. And now it's just like he's because, you know, it takes just a split second for him to rotate over and help or block a shot or contest a shot. So you have to be so freaking perfect every single time you execute against the Bucks. I that that dread, the fact that you are going in as a coaching staff and saying, "All right, guys, we need to find a way to not make Giannis uh, like a viable defensive option for the Bucks on this possession." I mean, right. <laughs> to me, that 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 means everything. He's just he's undeniable on that end of the floor. Yeah, I mean, I think Giannis is a perfectly reasonable pick. Um, I mean, see, the Bucks are third in defensive rating, and they're not. I mean, Grizzlies are at one hundred nine point zero. The Bucks are at one hundred nine point six. So, like, that could very easily change. I mean, Nets are a little further right. down at one eleven point six. They're ninth overall, uh, which is another knock against the Nick Claxton. DPOY yeah. buzz. And to be fair, I mean, you know, Jaron Jackson. Not a knock against Nick. Right, right. Yeah, against his yeah. his case, his uh, DPOY candidacy. Right. And, like, to be clear, Jaron Jackson Jr. right now is a minus 135. Brooke Lopez is next closest at plus 550. Claxton's a plus 1,000. Giannis is plus 1,800. So, you know, mm. this is perhaps unfairly, you know, maybe this is a place where you look at it and, like, there's still so much of the season to go. Like, should Jackson right. be this commanding of a favorite? If he keeps up this level of production, sure. Uh, but, you know, God forbid he gets hurt again. Like, the the race would be wide open again. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Claxton is not... Like, oddsmakers are not considering him. Like, I guess technically he's one of the front runners because he has one of the three best odds. But... He is not, you know, like neck and neck with Jackson or neck and neck with even Brooke Lopez. I have a question to you because you know how NBA teams started de-emphasizing rebounding to a certain extent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I've always been against that because I I, I think you, you absolutely need to be a good rebounding team because you're maximizing possession count. Mm-hmm. Why is it that when we're talking about DPOY, we rarely go into like the whole defensive rebounding angle? Because at let's be honest, if you block a shot but you don't get the ball, for example, and seems to put up a shot against you again, like a secondary shot, that whole possession has sure you got a block out of it, but you didn't really keep the ball from going in the basket. Giannis is averaging almost ten defensive rebounds per game. Like he is finishing defensive possessions. I'm not saying that's a do-all metric, because it's not. You have to factor in rotation patterns, blocks, contests, every single thing, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, when you're looking at, like, Jaron Jackson or Brooke Lopez, none of those guys are, like, great defensive rebounders. No. They're arguably bad defensive rebounders. Bad? (laughs) They are. Well, for their size, (laughs) I should say. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there is a lot of that. I'm not saying just because you're a good defensive rebounder means you're a good defender. I'm not saying that. Like, for for fuck's sake, like, Bobby Portis is <laughs> grabbing seven and a half defensive rebounds per game. And, and he certainly has his defensive warts, right? So yeah. I'm not saying that's, like, a, a catch-all metric. 
But I'm just saying, like, that to me matters too if you're a great rebounder overall because the whole concept of defense is to get the ball back. Right. Like, it is to get back possession to yourself. Like, if you prevent someone from scoring, the quicker you can get that ball leaked out and you can start to run and you can do all those things. That's where I think the Bucks and Giannis and especially, they're just elite at doing that. And Giannis is just so good at contesting a shot, getting the the defense rebound, and he's off to the races, right? Mm-hmm. So from a, from a defense perspective, I just think he offers the most flexibility. It's reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I have no, there's no, no issue with that pick whatsoever. Wouldn't shock me to see his odds shrink uh, as we go into the second half of the season. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's go to most improved player now, Mort. This feels like a two-man race between Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Laurie Markkinen right now, with all due respect. Tyrese Halliburton deserves a shout. Jalen Brunson, you can even have in that conversation. But I mean, I think those two guys are the the clear front runners at this point. Which of them would you pick, or would you go someone else? Oh, you're just setting me up right now. <laughs> you damn well know their draft positions. I do. I do. That's true. Yeah. Jalen Brunson's yeah. right so on the table. Tr- it's it's yeah, it's Brunson, or you know, I I'm just gonna like piss against the wind here. Okay. Because I still believe in the romanticism of the of the most improved player mm-hmm. award where someone comes out of freaking nowhere. Oh wow. and turns himself into to, to something great or at least very good. And so I'm just going to keep it emotional and go with Bobo. Bo- I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I understand Shay and Laurie and those guys like, oh, got so much better. And I also fully recognize that the leap from starter to star, in case of marketing, mm-hmm. is big. And I also acknowledge that this the, the leap from star to superstar, as for Shay, is even greater. Fully on board with that. Mm-hmm. Fully buy into that whole thing. But my God, man, the the some of the best parts about the NBA is when a guy who has been mostly been counted out, mm-hmm. who has really not been given a chance, like it seems has just kind of quit on him, yep. and he just comes out of nowhere, like nowhere. No one had him. Like he was signed for a min deal, maybe not even guaranteed. And you're just yeah. like, eh, when you read it, and you're like, sure, okay, I guess he'll get some minutes in a blowout, and then he turns into like starting caliber player. Yeah, I love that. 
that's that's the essence of this award to me. So that's why I'm I'm sticking it with with Bol Bol, even though I know he's not going to win it. That's fair. I mean, he is. I'm actually surprised he's so low. He's a plus twelve thousand, which doesn't seem. I mean, I guess it speaks to what Shay and Laurie are doing that they're just so far ahead of the rest of the pack. But I agree with you. Bol Bol absolutely deserves consideration for this award because he he does embody what this award should be like this guy was really almost out of the league probably like if he didn't hit in orlando correct he's probably playing in europe in the next two years and now he seems like either a long-term rotation piece in orlando or elsewhere certainly not going to sign for two million dollars on his next contract like he's going to get real money next time so uh completely fair pick there I, I'm, but you know why it's changed, though. It's because now it, you're giving it to stars. John Morant won it last year. Yeah. Julius Randle the year before, and then Brandon Ingram after averaging 18 points the year before. Yeah. This is no longer an award for the unexpected. It's just to give stars more accolades. Yeah. I mean, that's why I kind of lean marketing in this over Shea. Because I'm with you. Like, the leap from star to superstar is very, very difficult. That's why Luka Doncic was in at least the conversation for this word a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it didn't win it, but I think was... Right. I don't remember where he finished in the voting, but, you know, like, deservedly so. It's very hard to go from what Shea has been the last couple seasons to what he is now. Uh, with that said... It's hard to know whether he had this in him the whole time and, like, OKC just kind of mothballed him, especially, you know, they, like, he got hurt the one year and they shot him down. Uh, and that year, I mean, his efficiency was just on, just in line with what he's doing this year. He's just taking more shots per game this year, drawing a lot more free throws this year and knocking him down at a ridiculous clip. That is one area of legitimate improvement. He was, like, 80, low 80s in each of his first four years. This year he's averaging a career high 10.3 free throw attempts per game, hitting 91.3% from the strike. So that is noteworthy. However, Laurie Markkinen, I I mean, I don't even know if the Jazz saw this in him when they acquired him. Like, he was a good rotation piece in Cleveland last year, but, I you know, I, I don't think they envisioned, like, this guy, you know, who, who it was Jake Fisher, I think, before he left BR, um, <clears throat> was reporting because the All Star Game is in Houston, uh, in Salt Lake City this year. Uh, the Jazz were like giving that some consideration when they were weighing whether to trade Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell this past off season. Like they really wanted a hometown All Star, um, and <laughs> clearly, you know, when Minnesota comes with that offer. For Gobert, you just have to say yes. But, like, they're going to get a hometown all-star. Laurie Markkinen is going to be an all-star, which is just outrageous. I mean, he's setting career yep. highs uh, almost across the board. Points had never averaged more than 18.7 before this year. He's at almost 25 now. Uh, field goal percentage had never been above 48%. He's at almost 52 right now. Three-point percentage had one season above 40%. He's at 41.3 and shooting a career-high 
7.1 attempts per game, averaging a career-high free throws. I mean, he is the number one reason why the Jazz, against all odds, after trading away their two centerpieces, are right in the thick of the playoff race still. They're still, like, hovering around 500 and, you know, are surprisingly frisky. So because of that, I'm going marketing here. I wouldn't hate Shea to win it, but I do feel like I'm more okay with, like, the star to superstar jump winning it when there isn't another, like, obvious viable candidate. This year it just feels like marketing is such an obvious candidate that, you know, I, I would I would lean him and I'm surprised. You know, Shea is plus 105, Markkanen's plus 130. So they're neck and neck right now, but Shea has the lead. I'm surprised by that. I would have it flipped. I would have Markkanen as the favorite. Seventh overall selection, Brian. I know, but, I mean, how much does draft status matter after <laughs> in year six or whatever he's in? I don't care. That's still implied when they get drafted so high. Sure, That but- comes with the expectation level. And besides, as I just wrote for Sports Illustrated, development isn't linear. That- it can that- take many, many different rows. I actually use Scotty Barnes as an example because uh, Raptors fans, yeah. some of them at least, it seems to be a civil war brewing there. Yes. There are some that are... The, I, I'm going to take sides here because I still believe that Scotty Barnes is going to turn out to be a fantastic NBA player. I am very much against the people who are basically saying, oh, he's going to be a bust, trade him. Yeah. Well, well, not a bust, but like he's not going to be that guy. So, like, yeah, you could sit here and say, oh, most improved because that was unexpected because over the past few years he showed us nothing. Yeah, sure, but there's a reason a guy is like universally held in high regard. Like, okay. Victor Vembanyana, let's just use him for example. Right now, he's actually playing, and he's apparently just already hit three threes and has a lot of highlight plays because that's what he does, right? What if he doesn't break through until the sixth year, which is the the year the marketing currently has? Are we then going to sit here and say, oh, we had no idea. What, What a surprise. How how great he's improved, despite being the obvious number one pick. Like, are, are we going to give him that? I mean, I think if Markel Fultz took a leap at any point, like what Laurie Markkinen is doing this year, he would be uh-huh. deservedly in the most improved conversation. Yeah, because he developed the yips. Yeah. That's... But, like, I mean, if he... <laughs> that was not... So- if he goes if, from if teams knew about that if he goes from like rotation player or you know average starter to possible all-star starter in the span of a year like i don't after you get drafted you know where you get where you get drafted stops mattering it matters in terms of like yeah more teams are willing to give you another chance because you had this pedigree coming in but if you don't develop uh-huh. After a certain point, your chances run out. Like, Jalil Okafor right now is playing in China, right? He was number three pick. Like, Oh, I don't know. I I, don't, I, I have not exactly uh, spent a lot of time this year researching the <laughs> sure. play of Jalil Okafor, but, admittedly. you know, my point is, like, number three pick in 2015, and it didn't matter. Like, he washed out of the league very quickly because he was just, you know, his style of play was sure. not... Uh, conducive to how the NBA is played today. So, marketing at least, 
know, was an NBA rotation player, was a, a capable starter, but was not an all-star caliber player at any point over the first five years. I mean, he had a year averaging 19-9, and nine, though. Yeah, I, I, how good were the Bulls that year? I, I, oh, come on. I, oh, I, I'm genuinely Bulls asking. I don't remember. <laughs> were they? No, no, no. They weren't a playoff team. My point oh, is they were, still. They were 22 like, and 60. Was, yeah, they were great. They were not great <laughs> at all. I, I understand. I re- recognize that. I'm just saying that when you have shown that level of production to a certain extent before, it gets hard. So, I. I all right. You and I, we usually never bicker. Yeah. But I absolutely loathe your Markel Fultz example for one reason. Okay. Teams would not even have dared drafting him if they knew about what would happen to his jump shot. Yeah. The jump shot was like 65% the reason that he was universally held in that high regard. Right. You can't sit here and tell me that that would be like expected that, oh, he would develop the yips within the, what, a month of being drafted? Before. His workout. Before. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, according to people who were there, I believe Derek Bondner has said this a number of times, his shooting at the Sixers workout was not great, and there were people within the Sixers organization that were like, hey, Brian Colangelo, should we, like, we already traded for the number one pick, but, like, maybe we should give some consideration to some of these other guys? And then they were like, no, 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 we're good. We're fine. I thought it was after. Mm -mm. I thought that was at. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. The Sixers. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Well, that (laughs) just, just, again, shows. It it, it always goes great when the league pushes someone in on you, right? right? right. Just good job, NBA. Oh, my God. Okay, I actually thought it was after. I'd always understood it as after... Um, the the summer league in Utah, that that's where people were like, uh oh, <laughs> something happened. No, it was. Uh, I mean, it got worse after that for sure. Yeah, but, yeah, it was. Okay, it was well, you catch my drift though. Like that was that example. I think most teams, most smart teams, yeah, <laughs> at that yeah. point in time, would have looked at that and gone, uh, of course, and just yeah. not done it right and like i understand where you're coming from and i'm not saying that guys aren't like deserving of credit like i give laurie marketing just a ton of same with shay same with jaw last year same with brandon ingram maybe not as much with julius randall but okay <laughs> like I gave, I gave those guys a lot of credit because they did something they they kind of broke out of a pattern yeah but then let's have that as an award I mean, like hey they they have like the most clutch player now anyway, yeah. which Lord knows what that means. So let's just have the um, co- best career turnaround year. I don't care something. Sure, like most improved to me should still be someone who came out of nowhere. Like the fact that Bobol just turned everything around to this extent yeah. and was just universally looked at as sort of a gimmick, mm-hmm. honestly, which was always tragic when people use that phrasing with him, but, like, and coming coming in and, be like, taking guys off the bounce, draining threes, rebounding, blocking shots, like, sort of looking like he used to look at Oregon during the brief time he was there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just I just find that more compelling, and I think that's the, the true spirit of the award. Maybe I'm being a little bit old-fashioned, but 
I, I just don't like the idea of, hey, let's just hand it up to stars because stars sell. Yeah. Like, John Morant, are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Really? Right. That is reasonable. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. All right, let's go into your favorite award. Sixth Man of the Year. <laughs> you will really love who FanDuel has as the clear favorite right now. <sighs> Russell Westbrook yeah. is a yeah. minus 105. Yeah. Jordan Poole and Malcolm Brogdon are tied uh, for second at plus 460. Norm Powell is plus 1,500. Benedict Matherin is 2,100 plus 2,100. Malik Monk plus three thousand with Bobby Portis as well, and then you've got you know uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Malik Beasley, Victor Oladipo, a bunch of way way out there plus fifty five hundred like huge underdogs uh-huh. at this point. Uh, are you going with Russ as your sixth man of the year? <laughs> oh, you suck! <laughs> no, I am not going with Russell Westbrook. Okay, look. Off the bench, right? Yeah. People are going to bring up like the raw stats. Yep. Oh my God, Mart, he's averaging 15.8 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, and 8.1 assists off the bench. Uh, like, when have you last time seen a guy averaging over 8 assists off the bench? Well, first and foremost, he's doing that in 28 minutes per game. Like, it's not like he's doing this in 16. Right. Like, relax. Right. He's still, like, his true shooting percentage off the bench is 50.4. <laughs> now, in comparison, the league average is nearing 58. Mm. So he is like at least seven percentage points below league average in efficiency. Mm-hmm. His defense remains, I mean, just god awful. Let's be honest. Like, he's just not a factor on that end of the floor. Mm-hmm. So, why? Why in the hell should we give him legitimate consideration? Well,. Brian, I'm going to go back to the whole MIP thing. Stars, or at least names. Yay! Look, we can turn around a narrative. We can make this guy a little bit more attractive to all the people. He sells a lot of clicks. Yay, let's go for it. No, Russell Westbrook should not win Sixth Man of the Year award. Are you freaking kidding me? That's no. What are his, it's so stupid. his turnovers off the bench, too? His turn. Oh, he, uh, I don't even have the number, like the raw numbers. Yeah. I have the 137 turnovers in 46 games. Cool. Yeah. He, uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, looks like 3.8 in, oh in his time off the bench. 3.8 per game. Yeah. He's I got 291 assists to a 137 turnovers. There you go. 
So like, not not great point guard play there. And then you can say, well, it's better than what he did as a starter. Yeah, I don't care <laughs> about that. That's not that's not where I'm looking at this from. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, no, it's not Russ. This is this is ridiculous. Um, I I think I'm actually on Malcolm Brockton, honestly. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I get it. Like, he he doesn't really draw a lot of clicks. I understand. Like, he's he's not the guy who's going to come in and, and grab headlines or you find him on Sports <laughs> Center and you're not going to find him on Shacting a Fool. I don't even know if that exists still. But, mm-hmm. like, you're, you're not going to find him on those lists. He's just a steady two-way NBA player who's coming in. He's averaging 24 minutes per game, actually a little less, less than that, 14 points, a little over four rebounds, almost four assists, 89 from the free throw line, 45%. Uh, from downtown and almost 49 from the field just doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot just is a smart reliable basketball player who can do much more if he had the minutes to but this is a situation where that's just not required i have a feeling the celtics are gonna turn a little on his minutes uh, in the playoffs, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised when they tighten in the rotation that Brockton is going to play at like close to 28. Like, it's basically the same amount of minutes as um, Russell Westbrook is playing right now. And then you're going to see like his numbers also go up. He's just so damn reliable. Like He can play both guard spots. You can even slide him up to the three. He's got long-ass arms. Defensively, he's rock solid. Just understands schemes. Solid one-on-one defender. Just love this dude and it was one of the best trades in the NBA offseason I know you lost a lot of sleep over it <laughs> rightfully so because yeah just love it love it like he plays the game the right way which you can't really say about Mr. Westbrook at this point yeah yeah I mean I think he certainly deserves to be in that conversation uh, his efficiency is just it's just always outrageous. Like, just always flirting with the 50, 40, 90 club. I mean, well, well yeah. over uh, for the three point at 45.2% from three right Almost now. Almost a 63% shooting, uh, true shooting percentage. Yeah. This year. I mean, it's like, it speaks to just the quality of the Celtics that they don't need to lean on him that heavily. Yeah. Like, they're just so good that they're blasting teams and, you know, getting to trot out some of their end of bench guys. More, but I'm with you in thinking, you know, Brogdon, given his injury history especially, I'm sure they're being very mindful of not riding him too hard in the regular season because they know they're going to want more out of him in the playoffs, uh, which I very, very smart. I wish more coaches had that. (laughs) Smart teams make smart decisions, Brian. Yeah, who knew? Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think he is a very good pick. I'm actually surprised to see Benedict Matherin as low as he is on the leaderboard. Yeah, he's he's also there. I'm very impressed with what he's done off the bench this year. Um, obviously, he's mostly a scorer, and that's about it this year, like right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a great defender, not a great playmaker yet. I think those things could come in time. Uh, offensively, he's just a beast, though. Yeah. Like, this dude... Despite not starting, he's even getting to the line six times per game. His three-point percentage has dropped off a little bit, which I think... I don't want to say that he's hit the rookie wall, because Mm -hmm. I don't think that is necessarily true, but I do think that teams have gotten a little wise to him. 
And, like, because they know that he needs a, a fair amount of space also to shoot because he gets so up so high. Mm-hmm. Like, he really has a high release. And so teams are basically knowing that, oh, okay, he's going to come off here and he's going to put everything he's got into those legs. Well, I'm going to be right there at the top meeting him. So I, I think he's being challenged more so now. The thing with Matherin, though, is to me, moving forward, is he's going to adapt. He just yeah. looks like a smart-ass basketball player. Like, he, every time he sees different coverages, it seems like he's taking mental notes and like, oh, okay, okay, I'll figure that out for the next time. Mm-hmm. So um, I love it. Uh, and if he won the award, it would be one of the few times where a guy who is primarily offensively driven, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's already played 40 games off the bench, so I think with one or two more, he technically qualifies for the award no matter what, but it'd be yeah. interesting if the Pacers do end up trading Buddy Heald by the deadline, he, if Matherin moves into the starting lineup and then you know gets a chance to play more minutes, potentially boost his numbers even more. I wonder if it would hurt him or help him, because maybe... Uh, I guess, like, if people think of him as a starter for the second half of the season, maybe they wouldn't even consider him for this award. But, yeah, I was just surprised to see him as low as he was. Um, Now, I think it does speak to, like, Westbrook being the favorite. Uh, Jordan Poole is just not having a super efficient season. Um, Warren Powell, there's just so many guys in... LA competing for minutes it's like and touches and whatever uh and they've just no but he's done well though yeah like he's been really good off the bench I, I actually I wouldn't hate that either because Powell uh you know you'd look at the numbers and he's like 15 and a half points per game and you're going oh okay so he's a scorer like no he's a proper two-way guy yeah. coming off the bench as well I mean he's just not like a a table setter like Brockton is at the same time, he he's pretty much what you see is what you get offensively in terms of like when he's getting the ball, yeah, he's shooting, right? But then defensively, he also competes. Like It's a very set role, but I love it. I think it suits their needs, and I think it suits him. So I wouldn't hate that. Like, he's really good. You could also point out Bobby Portis. Like, the guy, I know he started 11 games. I, I get that. So it's, it's 32 games off the bench still. But, like, on this year, we're talking about, like, a 14-10 guy. I mean, yeah, is he a scorer? Mm-hmm. But he's also a damn good rebounder. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I what I dislike is the guy who comes in off the bench and just shoots and does nothing else. Yeah. Like, again, Jordan Clarkson, right? Like, guys who are coming in, gets the ball, shoots, and are, like, so-so defensively, some are outright bad, and they don't really pass the ball. It's just all about getting up those shots. Mm-hmm. Like, then... Okay, then I'd much rather, if we're looking at it offensively, also have a guy who can either pile up assists or rebounds, um, or in Norman Powell's case, just be a two-way player. Then, you, then doesn't then you don't need to have like an all-around line of like fifteen, five, and five. Then it's fine if you're fifteen and then good defense. Yeah, I mean, I'm very sad that James Harden and Tyre, Tyrese Maxey got hurt for as long as they did. Because D'Anthony Melton, I think, would have been a very viable uh, six-man candidate otherwise. He has been so good for the Sixers this year. He has, but I also don't think you can take him out of the starting lineup. I actually went on TV and talked about this. I was like, nope, I think it's time to to sit P.J. Tucker down and then run with all the small ones. And I fully realize 
that there's not going to be a lot of offense coming off the bench then because mm-hmm. like who are we kidding pj tucker is not going to like could you imagine pj tucker and my t getting minutes together off the bench yeah. and then and then not have being flanked by by like scores but that's what the trade deadline is for like then you go out and find another score um i just love the idea of like maxi melton harden mm-hmm. harris and Embiid as the starting lineup I think that is your like your best five guys, and like there's a lot of two way production there from Melton too. Like defensively, good lord, he's just been, I, he's been so good. Yeah. He's one of those guys. He's six two, and when you look at him play defense, it's like oh, like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm, right, <laughs> 6'2", Who cares? Like he he can guard guard one through three, and then on occasion he'll even switch over to a like a a fairly lanky power forward and give him hell where you're like, oh, damn, like <laughs> those that six foot two frame, that's that has some talent on that end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there have been plenty of Sixers fans are caping for that exact change. Also, just to give PJ Tucker's dead hand a chance to recover before the playoffs begin. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he would have been certainly in the mix for that award. And maybe, I guess, if the rest of their lineup stays healthy and he doesn't start i don't know if he's already crossed the threshold i don't think so right we're getting very close yeah he started 30 games already yeah he is getting close yeah no and even so like guys who hadn't started at all get prioritized again like malcolm brockton hasn't started a single game so that just matters more to me yeah honestly so i will say on the rust thing before we move on like I don't necessarily know oh, that he God, should be. Oh God, don't do it. No, not that he should be the, the favorite for the award, but he like it. We, we talked about this going into the year. We talked about it a lot in the off season. You know how at this stage of a guy's career, you can really go one of two ways. You can either go out kind of sad, like Allen Iverson did, or like Carmelo before the Portland tenure, or you can go what Vince Carter did and you know figure out ways to I mean I don't know if adapt your game is necessarily the right word for right what, I swear to god if you're if you're trying to compare Russ to Vince Carter no, no, no. I'm leaving this podcast right no, now cuz okay. cuz I I would agree that Russ hasn't necessarily adapted he's just in a lower minutes role but it's still the <laughs> same right. basic thing but still I mean like his willingness to come off the bench and like his embrace of that even if he are we sure that that's a willingness and embrace or that's just like what the powers above dictated and he's just he knows that if he doesn't comply that's the next contract out the door yeah it's very possible that that's the motivation (laughs) but still like we haven't heard you know think about how much like back uh back you know like behind the scenes drama we heard last year involving russ and you know, Frank Vogel doesn't feel empowered to make this decision, blah, blah, blah. Like, we haven't heard any of that with Russ this year. So. Well, while true, I and I don't remember where I heard this, but wasn't there something around, like, Darvingham uh, wanting to, like, close leaks and, like, just basically tighten, like, the mm-hmm. inner structure a lot more so less information came out? I feel I read that somewhere. I don't remember seeing that, but that isn't... That isn't to say that's not true. I mean, I it would make sense as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 
I, I seem to recall smart. something of that nature. So, and again, I don't know, even if that was like planned, I don't know if you've, it's been applied or anything. I'm just saying that right, it right, could right. just be situational. I mean, look, and even if Russ has embraced this, okay, fine, dude, still not good. <laughs> right. There is like, I just, that small detail. Yeah, but that, I, I mean, again, right? We, we're so, <laughs> it, it seems like, the, the larger NBA community is just so ready to like give Russ something. And I just don't yeah. know why. Why are everyone so hell bent on wanting to give Russ something? If anything, there's one thing I want, and that's just to get him somewhere where there are like no players and just let him know, you know what? Go nuts. You yeah. want to go for a triple double in the first half? Go for it. You want to shoot 35 times per game? I'll tune the fuck in to watch. Like, I would. <laughs> like, you you want to see if you can pull off Don, Donovan Mitchell's 71-11-8? Go for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be watching that. Just And then after that, just never see or hear from him again. Like, he'll, he'll leave the league trying to one-up Kobe. Instead of, like, 60, he'll say, <laughs> no, I'm going to 65. And I don't care if it takes 78 shots to get there. Trade him to Detroit just to see him stat pad and then have him wash out and the Hornets take back over the Hornets man because they God. still got Lamelo but ugh I mean actually it, yeah it, on second thought if they are already negotiating with Miles Bridges yeah send them to the Hornets and they deserve right? a bad thing is right yeah yeah good point but like just just give me that that uh, that would be much more fun to me because I instead of this whole false narrative oh russ is embracing everything and oh we look at how great he no he's not great no he, yeah. he i mean he used to be he used to be damn great but right now off the bench we're sitting here trying to satisfy ourselves with a true shooting percentage of 50 horrible defense and him being a walking turn turnover mm-hmm. really really that's that's our standard mm, that's fair mm. had to get that out you know me yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, since you brought this up, remind me of this existence before we started recording. Most clutch player. <laughs> Make of that what you will, Mort, but who is the most clutch player in the NBA this year? There's a reason FanDuel doesn't have this, by the way. That's correct, yeah. <laughs> They're like, they probably also forgot it's a thing. Yeah, and, and at the same time, everyone is sitting there going... What? How? What are yeah. the criteria? I don't know, man. Can, can I just get so so? Jokic, she actually got the Michael Jordan trophy, like from last mm. year, which mm-hmm. annoys me a little bit because I wanted to see guys just get really really petty about that, like wanting the first Michael Jordan <laughs> award. Um, mm. but but I so so I want to do something a little bit retroactively as well. I think this okay. award were sort of made with DeMar in mind last year. Yeah. Because DeMar was utter insanity in the clutch. I think he literally won the Bulls like 17 games or something like that. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it, yeah, was, yeah. it was unbelievable. So I just want to give DeMar the award. I don't even care if he hasn't been as good in the clutch this year and the Bulls are a train wreck. I don't care. Just give, the, give DeMar the award and just say thank you for last year. <laughs> Why not? I will say, I'm looking at the NBA's clutch stats page yeah. right now. So this is 
I believe they have it defined as game within five minutes or fi- within five points in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. DeMar DeRozan leads all players this year in clutch points. He has played 21 games that fit this criteria. He has 109 points, uh, 34 of 70 shooting, also 23 rebounds and 12 assists in that span. So there you go. Reasonable pick for most clutch player. Yeah, except uh, mine was spilled entirely off of emotion. But sure, sure, I'll sure. take I'll but take I, the the boring data and use it. Yes, yeah, I'm 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 helping you make a convincing case. You don't even have you to are. go on last year. Thank there's, you. There's I a, appreciate that. There's a case this year. Uh, a few other guys who stood out to me as I was looking over this because I I don't know how you pick this other than eye test or just go to this page and see who stands out. Um. De'Aaron Fox, second in the league in clutch points, 40 of 65 shooting, 61.5%. I don't see, I mean, Brad Beal is at 68%, which is actually outrageous, but that's only 25 shot attempts. De'Aaron Fox is at 65. Like, of the high-volume clutch guys, Mm -hmm. De'Aaron Fox is way higher than anyone else. So, I don't know if he's necessarily... No, I don't think so. I mean, I, personally, I think it's Luca. Like, I he's sixth in clutch points, right? Uh, Ninety-one, uh, thirty of sixty-five overall. So slightly below efficiency of Demar and way below De'Aaron Fox. Um, but twenty-three assists, thirty rebounds, seven steals over that point. And I just think, like, you know, if we're going by eye test or going by, yeah. you know, who. Do you really not want having the ball in their hands at the end of the game? It is Luka Doncic. Also, it, what he did, like pulling off that ridiculous nine-point comeback or whatever against the Knicks, <laughs> like that alone might win him the award. Yeah, honestly. Well, like, I mean, I'll buy it, that. I'll buy that. If it's Luka, fine. I'll take it. That's that's the yeah. one guy I wouldn't mind having it over Demar. That's fine. And you're you're okay with a star being awarded this? Is a, is a... <laughs> Thank you. Nice. <laughs> All right. I appreciate that. Yeah. Feisty today, aren't we? Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll I'll allow a start this one. In fact, this is probably the one okay. award where I prefer a start outside of MVP. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, I, as you said, I do think it's designed to basically give a, a, another award to a star player who's not <laughs> going to win MVP. Yeah. So. It, uh, like the league is just gonna figure out a way to get more and more warts in and like find new narratives right. and just eventually MIP is gonna go to like some thirty five year old star who's been like a fifteen time all star like oh he had a comeback year where he averaged point one points higher than last year great improvement I mean they should have like uh, overcame the worst coaching award <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who would that go to, though? Oh, uh, man. It'd be, there, there's some good choices this year. Raptors fans would, would say Siakam immediately. God, yeah. They have really turned on Nick Nurse. I mean, I was going to say Sixers fans would immediately give it to Embiid and Harden. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. Only Luke, yeah. If Luke Walton were in the league. <laughs> oh, yeah, that I would mean, be an automatic. Yeah. Or George you, you, Carl, like some of those guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, the the fangs seem to be out for Billy Donovan too. Maybe that's Demar Ward. Who knows? Yeah. Well, and Luca, Luca with Jason Kidd, right? Yeah, there. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Christian, no, then it should yeah. go to Christian Wood out of anyone. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a good shot. Yeah. 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 For <laughs> refusing to start him for half the year. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton over Monty Williams too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, By the way, Suns fans are also very out on on T eight right now. Yeah, we gotta we gotta talk about him soon because I think he is one of the most interesting players leading into the deadline. Uh, I think so too, I, and I am rooting for him to get him get himself out of that situation. Me too, but yeah, let's we will we will table that for for maybe the next episode because that is a uh, that that is a big discussion in and of itself. Um, a few other guys in the clutch before we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, fourth yeah. in clutch points. Worst efficiency of the uh, top seven, though. Trey, that I don't Trey think. is abysmal. Yeah, I. Well, see, the thing about efficiency when you're on that OKC team, especially in the clutch, yeah. I, I'm okay yeah. with that. Like, look, yeah. overall, when you when you look at that roster he has alongside him. The fact that he is 50, 40, 35, and 91, I mean, like, yeah. it's it almost defies comprehension. I, I think he's so, so damn good at, at just, yeah. like, picking his times. But defenses, obviously, late in games, are going to target him relentlessly and, like, throw doubles at him and give him different looks. And he's going to mm-hmm. pass out to, like, who? Koku? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Not anymore. Poku's hurt. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, and I, I'm, I'm fully realizing that Josh Giddy has played phenomenal basketball. Jalen Williams is a lot better when his numbers indicate. I get all yeah. that. But there are still a lot of players on this OKC team who are you know, playing more than they should in other teams if they were to be there. And there are some getting minutes who may not should get minutes at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the argument is... Everyone knows where the ball is going to be at the end of the game. With right, really, with a lot of these guys, but especially with OKC, Shea is going to be handling it. With Chicago, Demar is going to be handling it most likely. He does have more options in Zach and I guess Vooch maybe uh, than mm. Shea or than Luca. But like everyone knows, the ball is going to be in Luca's hands too, which honestly makes what those guys are doing, I would say, more impressive. Like, everyone knows it's coming, and you still can't stop it. That's, you know, what like what Luka did against the Lakers the other night. Like, yeah. two, you know, forced overtime and then forced double overtime. Very, very good stuff from him. Um, Jalen Brunson is the one other guy I wanted to shout out here. Third in clutch scoring, uh, 32 of 58 overall, 55.2% from the field. Uh, only taken nine threes, but hit five of them. So that's that's pretty impressive. But Luca, um, oh no, I was about to say Luca Uh-oh. was the clutch plus minus king, but once again, Nikola Jokic. God damn it! Another advanced metric. <laughs> going going full circle, going right back to the first Jesus. one. Okay, yeah. God, yep. He is. Uh, 61 points on 16 of 36 shooting, but he is 63rd, or it's plus 63 in clutch. However, Aaron Gordon, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Jamal Murray are all in the top five 
of clutch plus minus as well. Once again, speaking to uh, the talent surrounding him. I absolutely guarantee you the NBA is not going to make it that like straightforward as just looking no, at the numbers. No it's going to be like no narrative, and it's going to be just yeah. a mess. I can't wait for the like uh, the the ballots to be uh, like revealed. So we can see mm-hmm. how all these media members voted, because I think it's going to be a complete shit show. Yeah, so many people are going to be salty. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. All right, let's wrap up with Coach of the Year. We're, we're not going to do Executive because the trade deadline's in less than a month. And right, that so would be very dumb. Change. Yeah. yeah, so we'll, we'll save that for after the deadline. Coach of the Year, who is your pick? I actually find this really difficult. I really, yeah, like I'm. So oh. I'm leaning Mike Brown simply because of what he's doing with the Kings in a way. But mm, I could okay. also see like so. So many teams kind of regress after they've had uh, early success. But Taylor Jenkins mm-hmm. has made sure that the Grizzlies yeah. are just still competitive. That they haven't rested on their laurels. Like yep. so. So I. I think you can go in, in quite a few different directions here. And and I'm not really sure where I'm leaning. Maybe I'll, I'll take a, a page out of your book. Where are you going? Uh, I'm going Joe Missoula. I mean, yeah, you take that's over a that tricky team. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Let, take over that team less than or like a month before the season starts. Yeah. I know they, that, you know, Robert Williams was out at the start of the year. Like, that thing could have gone off the rails. And instead... You've got, you know, Jason Tatum, as we mentioned earlier, uh, <clears throat> yeah. having the best season of his career, legitimate MVP candidate, uh, should be, you know, I'm glad we did the all-star starter conversation before this KD injury, because that's certainly simplified the decision for the NBA, but, like, now Jason Tatum, uh, probably going to be an all-star starter. All very um, much. Jalen Brown very well could be an all-star starter as well. Uh, I mean, best record in the league by... You know, a, a decent margin, and I think Taylor Jenkins is a good shout because um, you're right; it, it is hard to continue that growth uh, once you start to. You know, there's no guarantee that you, you know, a young team goes up and then it will continue going up. Very well, could plateau or go down. So, like the Grizzlies have been awesome, I and mean, right. they've won nine straight games. They're just. <clears throat> Probably the most fun team in the league, uh, but Boston is just like a relentless killing machine, and I think it's you know it, it very impressive to me that Missoula was able to just hit the ground running the way that he has. Maybe it's just you know I, I don't want to like take anything away from him because like he does have the core of a team that went to the finals last year, and maybe it's as simple as that. Like he didn't have to do. Yeah, that that was one of yeah. my things about this which where i was like mm, you know i i don't disagree that he's done a good job though I, I i just didn't bring him up in that same capacity because i think you know you still have jason tatum and right. jalen brown you have like the last year's dpoy and marcus smart you upgraded with malcolm brockton you have robert williams right i mean but but so, so that you could you could really ask how could it go wrong but at the same time those are also a lot of egos yeah. to check like hell he is younger than his starting power forward, Al Horford, right? <laughs> so you actually need to to get 
like the respect of one of your leaders while being younger than yeah. the actual leader. That that I think takes some balls yeah, too. I agree. Um, anyone else who I mean Jacques Vaughn, I would think is going to get some consideration here. Yeah, he's he's done a good job. He's not Steve Nash, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that team also had some major, major disaster potential. Yeah. Like early in the season, and for them to turn it around and get, I mean, they're second in the East right now. They're above the Bucks. Right. What about Biden alone? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we, I, we we ignore coaches who's been in the same place forever. Right, and you know, I think uh, preseason expectations factor in here. So it's like coach of the year usually goes to someone like Tibbs a couple of years ago, where the team is right. just like way better than expected, even though Monty Williams clearly deserved it that year. Um, so I mean, yeah, I think like a Mike Brown is going to get more buzz over a Mike Malone because like Denver, you know, we all expected it was going to be a top three-ish seed in the West. So to see them where they are, it's like, it's not really surprising. It's just like, yeah, you're, you're doing a good job because you got a F ton of talent. You've got the two-time MVP, possible three times running MVP at the center of your, your team. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's a fair thing. I mean, that's a that's definitely fair criticism. I just think he is routinely, year out or year out, uh, or year in or year out, so damn consistent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he... I wouldn't hate it if he won. Um, no, and, and I I think there's something to be said about players still, you know, ha- like or, or he, him having the player's ear. In yeah, a, in a sense, oh, for sure. After so much time. I mean, because we know how many guys are, are tuning out their coach after a long while. That problem certainly isn't there in Boston. This is like the third coach in th- three years, so that is definitely new every single time. Um, but but for, for guys who've been around and used to the same guy to lean in on that, I think it takes a special kind of personality to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think... Yeah. Um, now, the thing against Missoula, too, and... and Mike Malone, uh, you know, inheriting really good teams and not having to integrate any major new pieces, like with all due respect to Malcolm Brogdon and to Bruce Brown. Um, Whereas, you know, I think of someone like Jamie Bickerstaff in Cleveland, where, you know, having to integrate a major new piece in Donovan Mitchell and then getting a career year out of him and, you know, having the success that you guys have had this year, I think he's, again, not a front runner for the award, but wouldn't shock me if he's in the conversation, especially if Cleveland, you know, if they can jump up to like second or third in the East, I think it gets interesting. And they're only at yeah. one and a half games behind the Nets right now. There are certainly no shortage of quality coaches currently in the NBA. Let's just put it that way. That's correct. And there's also Doc Rivers. And then there's Doc Rivers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right well that's a good place for us to wrap up so thank you all as always for listening uh please follow us on twitter at the nba pod you can find our twitter handles in our bio so give us a follow as well you can also find us on itunes or wherever else podcasts are found on itunes please subscribe download leads and five star reviews or being hosted by spreaker so check them out on twitter at spreaker until next time i'm brian Sporic, and i was joined as always by morton jensen 
Mort, uh, I know you're going to the Paris game this week. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. So have a safe trip. Enjoy that. Um, I will try, knock on wood, to arrange a guest uh, in Mort's place sometime this week. But stay tuned there. Sounds good, man. Um, Have a good one and don't die.